Hi, this is May. And I'm Joy. Welcome to the QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. May and I are friends, writers, and creatives who want to share our endeavors out loud. On this podcast, we're here to encourage each other, and you too, and share tools we've discovered or made up, so you can follow your passions with a little support. So grab your tea, or your coffee, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello. Welcome. And today we're going to talk about learning from our creative ideals. But before we do that, let's talk about our creative weeks. Joy, what did you do? So this week, I think probably the most creative thing I did was I got started on some planning for having some more consistent branded social media content. Um, So I'm kind of still in the wheels turning phase of exactly what I want all that to look like. Um, I have a couple of other little tasks that I've had to do before I can actually put those thoughts out um, into the world. So, um, but you know, it's always fun to be in that brainstorming stage and I'm excited to get into the actual designing on the computer and, and then implementing what I've come up with. So that's mine. So what about you? This week has been pretty busy. It's the, we're, tr- we're figuring out how they're going to do school, how the kids are going to do school for the upcoming school year. And so we've been preparing for that, finishing up their registration, ordering uniforms and school supplies and that sort of thing. However, there was one really cool thing that I got to do after last week's episode and before this week's episode. So I'm counting it as part of my creative week. But Brent, uh, my husband, had a friend who had a birthday, and for his birthday, he invited Brent and I to come shoot at a gun range. And his wife was going to be there. I love his wife. Like, I love hanging out with her. And I thought, okay, well, we'll just go. And actually, her sister and her sister's husband was there, too, so it was three couples. And I thought, I'll just go, and I'll just, you know, chit-chat and that sort of thing. And it's the first time that I've, like, been anywhere in a really long time, too. So I go to this gun range with, like, my mask in my pocket. And and Brent has, like, these guns. And I'm like, anyway, it's really funny. So I shoot a 30-30. I think that's right. I think that's right, guys. That's a rifle. And, uh, And I did pretty good with that one. Did pretty good. But then we go to the pistol range. And I'm shooting a nine millimeter and it's my very first clip, my very first time. And I hit all seven times in the place where I'm aiming. And (laughs) it was, it, it was a little, okay. I don't, I'm not like a murderer or anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we've got that straight. (laughs) This was really fun. I totally get that. I love to shoot. It is just so much fun. It's And I was good at it, and that really shocked me, too. And my husband has a blast with it, too, so it's like something that we can do together. And, uh, and they had these little metal plates on the pistol range, and so I would shoot those, and they'd go ding, ding, ding. It was just, it was very satisfying to hear the dings. <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs> 
So that was a new experience and it was fun. And I, I'm going to claim it as a creative part of my week because I think that that counts. <laughs> I absolutely agree. 100%. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. So that's our creative weeks, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so well, we go ahead and, and introduce our topic for us so, and, so we can share all of our knowledge with these people. Oh, goodness. All of our knowledge. All of it. (laughs) We might be stretching it tonight. We'll see. So (laughs) here's what we were thinking about. So the topic for tonight is learning from your creative ideals. And as we were kind of thinking through this, as creatives, one of the best ways to learn our craft is by examining the masters in our medium, analyzing how they do what they do, Um, articulating their process in order to understand our own and how you can make yours more like theirs and then finally incorporating all of these lessons into our own original work. So that's kind of what we're going to go through tonight. Yeah and this is for any creator so for painters this might entail learning brush strokes of the masters like Picasso or John Singer Sargent or Gustav Klimt. Uh, For guitarists, you might learn your favorite Led Zeppelin song or Government Mule song or Dave Matthews song before venturing into the unknown territory of original licks and solos and melodies. If you're interested in making accessories or clothes designs, you analyze you know, those different techniques for jewelry. You can analyze wire wrapping techniques. Or you could look into silk staining or pick apart past and current fashions. That's a really cool idea. I love hearing all these different things with the different creative mediums and how we can use this same concept for all these different things. So for us as writers, This means examining the masters of our craft. Um, And to be perfectly honest, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording tonight about how this includes analyzing every book and short story we read, even the stinkers, as I'll call them. (laughs) Because, you know, lessons exist in every written work as long as we take the time to look for them. Um, But Mm -hmm. May and I wanted to specifically show you some examples of how we've utilized this process in our own creative study uh, using those that we more admire, probably, um, in order to give you examples to help you do the same thing in yours. And so even though our specific examples relate to writing, it's the same concept with the four steps that May is about to share with you guys. So when Joy and I were talking about this topic, I showed showed her my book, actually this book right here, Christine and Lauren, The Honey Don't... Yes, The Honey Don't List... (laughs) I almost forgot the title of it. It's crazy. The whole book is my example today. And I almost forgot the title of it. But I didn't. The Honey Don't List by Christina Lauren. And so I showed Joy this book and I told her what I'd done in the margins, like how I took the notes and everything for what I was reading. And then Joy and I whittled down the process into these four steps. So the four steps are experience, analyze, articulate, incorporate. And I am going to talk to you about those four steps now. So step one is experience. 
And this is where you're experiencing something that sparks you creatively. Whether you see it, you hear it, you touch it, you smell it, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that you recognize when your creative brain is impressed with something. You love it as a consumer of art, not necessarily a creator. And that's really important. You have to consume art in order to figure out who your masters are and what you enjoy as an artist. So that's experience. Step two is analyze. So once you have that experience, either right then at that moment or at a later date, you break down why you're drawn to it. So what does this piece make you feel? Is it a contradictory piece as in its appearance, making it deeper than you first expected it to be? Or is it the bluntness of the piece that blew you away? Maybe you like that straightforward in your face thing. Um, how did it make you feel that way? So this is the mechanics part of the piece. This is the color palette or the use of minor chords that turned an otherwise jolly lyric melancholy. Was it the surprising use of spicy in the majority of sweet in a meal you consumed, something like that. So those two questions are really important in the analyzed state. What does this piece make you feel and how did it make you feel that way? So once you figure out those two answers, you are going to step three, articulate. And everything else up to here has been kind of in your head. But now I need you to write down the results of your analysis and discover why the tactic made you feel that way. At least that's what I do. <laughs> so, and I think, and Joy does it too that way, which was really cool that we actually had the same four steps for our examples and the same four things that we do whenever we're analyzing our creative ideals. Kind of cool. We are in sync that way. Absolutely. <laughs> so... Uh, so we are articulating and we're writing down why that tactic made us feel that particular way. And step four, what in the world are we doing this for if we are not going to incorporate it into our craft, right? So that, of course, is step four. Then you give your strategy a shot. You put it into practice and you see if it's something that you can add to your bucket of craft knowledge or if it's something to be left outside and washed away in the rain. So those are our four steps. Now let me give you a quick example of how I utilize those four steps. The most recent is the Honey Don't List, so I'll just go ahead and give you that. But I actually have a stack of books that I am analyzing in order to incorporate some things that I'm learning in there with the project that I'm working on, with the novel that I'm working on. So it's a big stack of books. Here's an example of how I do that. First of all, I read the book. I experience it. And <laughs> I did that. Uh, then I went back and I analyzed areas and certain scenes that I loved. And one scene in particular had to deal with setting. And the main characters, the hero and the heroine, were sitting beside a pool. And there were a lot of people around the pool and they were having a conversation. So then Christina Lauren, the brilliant Christina Lauren, changed that conversation from a, an open public kind of conversation to an intimate conversation by just removing some of the people from the location. So she changed her setting from that scene 
or in that scene from a very public setting to an intimate setting and the characters never moved locations. Do you see how cool that is? <laughs> that is pretty doggone amazing. <laughs> and why I had not thought of that earlier, I don't know, but just being able to have the observation skills as you are consuming art in order to to say oh that's and that's neat and then remembering that you thought that was neat and going back and analyzing it articulating it and then figuring out a way that you can incorporate it in there let me tell you why this is a really really cool scene and a really really good cool tool for me because my book has a cast of characters, which means that a two-person intimate conversation is hard to pull off plot-wise. So this nifty trick will be helpful because I'll be able to still have those conversations between two people just by manipulating the surroundings rather than trying to pull them off into another location. And I am very excited to put this into practice. That is so exciting. Oh my goodness. I know you just can't wait to dive in and play with this. I know. I'm itching. I'm itching, girl. I got the <laughs> bug. <laughs> so. I hear you. <laughs> oh, well, so mine is, and, and you're going to see, I've, I've really tried to not go completely crazy time-wise here. So I've condensed what I really wanted to say because I get very excited about this. <laughs> so as you guys know, I plan to switch gears later this year um, to write my fantasy series. And this is a series I've been world building for four years plus some at this point. I don't even know how long it's been. Um, and I've, I dabble with it from time to time with short stories and the occasional brainstorming binge. Um, so leading up to the official start of outlining and then writing the full series, I'm going to be learning from my creative ideal. And my first step with this was, of course, to identify who, who is my ideal here. And my ultimate ideal is, of course, the master, J.R.R. Tolkien. Now, is there any other? I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so his are going to be the works that I will probably examine uh, um, or experience, analyze, articulate, and incorporate most deeply and widely. But I also put together a list of other fantastic fantasy authors. <laughs> See what I did there? Fantastic fantasy. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'm a dork. <laughs> I put together this list of other authors who I will study in the coming months. So I've got like this whole plan. I kind of even know you know, who I'm going to read first and the order I'm going to do it and all that kind of stuff. And um, I'll put a link to the blog post where I shared this in case you're interested in fantasy books as well and you want some, some good reading. So focusing in, though, right now on Tolkien, here's how these four steps look for me. So I have many of Tolkien's published works, including a lot of his um, posthumously published ones, many of which include extensive editor's notes uh, from his son, Christopher Tolkien. Now, while I have read The Silmarillion, The Hobbit, the trilogy, um, all those things, I've read them before, I plan to begin with them because now I will be reading them again, not just as a fan, you know, as a consumer, mm -hmm. like you talked about, but now I'm going to be reading them very intentionally to learn. Um, so I'm excited to do that. Uh, I'll also be digging deeper into Christopher Tolkien's notes. 
Um, and I'm going to tell you more on that in just a minute, how that kind of plays into everything. <clears throat> I'm also planning on studying his works that explain his central ones. So he's got like this whole giant volume of the history of Middle Earth and many of his lectures and things like that. So that's kind of my plan as far as the experience side of it, what I've already experienced and what I plan to experience moving forward for the analyze part. All right, so this here, um, Tolkien's works are really one of the easiest examples of this because his son added much of the analysis into some of these more recent publications. And those notes that I was mentioning a moment ago go in depth about how his father reached certain conclusions and made certain character decisions. Um, so mm. he recalls conversations that he had with his father during that time. Um, and it's just so incredibly fascinating for a nerd like me. <laughs> I would actually be perfectly content to do nothing but gorge myself on the richness of all of these notes and everything. Um, because you, he literally takes you through his father's entire process of, you know, for example, the Belrogs and how in the beginning there were many of them and then over time he kind of decided to change where they came from and how many they are and where they are. It's stuff like that um, that's just so fascinating to me. So my analysis looks um, a lot like, of course, reading through Christopher Tolkien's notes and then moving into taking my own notes. Sometimes I take uh, notes in notebooks um, sometimes I take them in books themselves, like you talked about. And so, you know, if you guys have an aversion to writing in books, then once again, you're just going to have to look away um, because I really mark up my books, <laughs> if you guys can see this. So this is uh, Barrett and Luthien. My hubby bought this for me. And I mark up pages really crazy in the books that I particularly love and I'm really seeking to analyze and learn from. So I have like this whole thing, uh, this whole process. I, uh, I underline lines that catch my eye, which I think probably most people do that. I also bracket things um, or passages that I find interesting. I circle important words or names because especially with Tolkien's works, you know, all the different names and things like that become very important. Um, and then especially great bits get asterisks. Um, I also write notes in the margins. So, for example, here, this is on page 47, and I've got notes over in the, in the little margins. Um, I bracketed off three words, and the three words are hunger and thirst. And that might seem a little weird, but my note reads, don't neglect common basic needs. Foul H2O, rotten food in evil's kingdom. Okay, and so, here we are, Baron is actually deep in the evil lands at this point in the story, and most great fantasy works show how evil corrupts absolutely everything, including nature. And so I had previously marked some places in here where Tolkien worked in really showing the effects of evil in this world, and this is something that I don't want to forget as I build my own world. So through this process of active learning through reading, I'm also developing the ability to articulate what I need to do, um, how I need to do it, and even more as I'm gathering examples of those things. So um, another example that really comes in is through Tolkien's translation of Beowulf 
And this is another one that his son put together and did a lot of the editing and included a ton of notes. Um, Tolkien was, of course, a master linguist, which is one of the many things that I greatly admire about him. And it's why he could create entire languages in addition to the histories and the worlds and the peoples that he came up with. So it's no wonder that in this translation of his, I can see his linguistic wheels at work and discover some of his early inspirations for his own languages. In fact, this also includes, um, and I may not be pronouncing it right, but Salix spell. Um, this was Tolkien's attempt at replicating, as it says, what might have been the form and style of an old English folk tale of Beowulf. So mm. it reveals specific influences for his greatest works surrounding a particular ring. Ring a bell. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> All right. So I have to add an interesting note here. Tolkien sought to imitate past forms and styles, which he admired for his own writing. And one way I do this now, in addition to this study and the way that we've been talking about this all night, is to copy one of his greatest works, and that's the Silmarillion. So I read this tip somewhere, and I really wish I could remember where I read it. And I'm sure more than one person has suggested this. But to copy the writing of an author you admire and desire to emulate. So each morning for quite some time, I would begin my day with a routine that included like five to 15 minutes of copying from the Silmarillion. So I'm not currently doing that, but I'm going to pick that back up when I switch, you know, my train of thought from the Southern literary fiction to the fantasy. So one final place that I look for analysis and the following articulation is in nonfiction. And I think maybe sometimes this gets overlooked, um, mm -hmm. but this can either be nonfiction written by the author that we're examining or about that author. Um, this book, okay, this is The Fellowship, The Literary Lives of the Inklings. This book quite literally shot the flames of my literary passions to the skies back in 2017. It was from this book that I got the two words that became my blog name and then my press name. Um, it opened my eyes to the depths of inspiration and imagination and to a picture of the growth and development of authors. Okay, so it follows the Inklings, Tolkien, Lewis, um, and the others, Charles William Owen Barfield, and there were others too who kind of came and went in that group of writers. I gained further inspiration for building my own world and even languages here since philology was a common bond amongst the Inklings. They were all about the languages and it's in the real lives of authors that we often understand their writings. So for example, for Tolkien and Lewis, it was in the horrors of war that they experienced that the beauty and the terror of the worlds that they created really came from. And so in understanding that, I feel like it helps you understand their writing better too. And also helps you kind of pull from your own real life experiences in whatever you're writing, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, fantasy or something else, something more realistic. So of course, like we've said, all of the experience and analysis and articulation in the world means nothing if we don't incorporate it. So, as I already said, I'm going to be rereading most of Tolkien's works prior to beginning in-depth 
writing of my fantasy series. And it will be in these books and in these amazing editor's notes. Thank you, Christopher Solkin, to where I will turn for study um, as I seek to build upon my world and incorporate those, um, how to really show those important themes of good versus evil and other themes that are kind of commonplace and are expected by fantasy lovers. And it'll be in a deeper study of Tolkien's languages that I'll continue to develop my own. Okay, so there's a lot in these books that really goes in depth about how he developed those things. So nerdy, but I could talk forever about that. <laughs> so I'll take these lessons um, and then articulate them through notes and brainstorming for other study and take the golden nuggets of the knowledge and incorporate them into my own writing, paying attention to every detail of the world building, the history, the language creation, the rule setting, the, all of these things that go into it. And as Maggie Stevewater taught us in her seminar that we took earlier this year, it's in the studying and seeking to emulate that I'm not going to copy these writers I admire, but I will hopefully, fingers crossed if I do this right, add to the great conversation by learning from their ideal. That was so cool. I am reeling from everything that you just said and all of the details and everything that you put together to share with us tonight. Uh, that was so amazing. And I love how you brought to, brought in the Maggie Steve Otter portion of, of that because it's perfect for this topic. And she said specifically, just, you know, just as you reiterated that um, we're not trying to copy, we're trying to add to the conversation. And if you'll notice from Joy's example and from my example, we're not taking everything as it is. We're distilling it down into a theory, into a thought, into a tool, and then applying it to our stories as we have created those stories. So they're not, they're not a carbon copy of our master's or our ideals. They're not carbon copies. There's something other than that. And it's so cool how you found out that Tolkien did the same exact thing. And we know that, like we know that other people do the same exact thing, look at others and, and, um, and be inspired by their art. But it's very rare, I think, that you would be able to see that written down and confirmed, maybe not very rare, but it feels like it's rare that you could see that confirmed in writing that Tolkien is doing the same exact thing that you were doing to his works with someone else. And I wish, and I tried so hard to find it, and I can't remember, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's in his translation of Beowulf, but because um, that was kind of like, that was, he loved that so much like he spent a lot of time working on that but in one of these in some of the notes he had jotted down this one little line and it had to have been a spark for him for the the elves the land of the elves like where they go at the end of their age here or here here <laughs> in middle mm -hmm. earth <laughs> because we live in middle earth <laughs> sorry it's really real to me um <laughs> But there was this one little line and I was like, oh my goodness, like, I wonder if that was kind of the, the inspiration and the spark for him for that, that little part. Anyway, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
And I love those things. I love to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. It it feels like a treasure. Like it it feels like I found a treasure if I get to the end and I'm like, oh, this really happened. And it might be two sentences in a book or something like that. I'm like, oh, this really happened to this author. And here's how I know (laughs) it comes out in an interview or something like that. But yeah, I love to be able to connect those dots. Well, ladies and gentlemen, these are two of our examples, and I'm sure that we have more, but these, this is what we have right now for you guys. And, um, and I have a feeling that you guys have been doing this longer than you think, because imitation is how we learn most things, right? It's how we learn to speak. It's how we learn to walk. It's how we learn grammar. Um, and, and, and I guess the only thing that we're asking you to do is to actually do this on purpose. So... Are you guys ready for the QWERTY challenge? Let's give it to them. (laughs) So today we're going to ask you a question and follow up with that. So our question is, what is the last piece of art that you experienced that made you sit up and take notice? It could be by an artist that you admire consistently, or it can be something, a piece that's new that Maybe you've never heard of the artist before. Either way, the last time that you sat up and you were like, oh, I like that as a consumer, experience that and then analyze it, articulate it and make a plan to incorporate it into your creative medium. So yes, we can't promise that this is going to work for you, that you're going to have this new special tool in your tool bucket is there a tool bucket is that even like a thing did I (laughs) okay so I'm calling it a tool bucket you call it whatever you want but (laughs) so I can't promise that it's gonna like be included in your tool accessories (laughs) but But what we can promise tonight is that you'll be a more knowledgeable creator after you try this out. And another thing is, too, as you gather as groups like the Inklings did to share your knowledge with each other, it might not work for you, but it might work for somebody else who's never heard of it before. So you could share that with them and it could be exactly what they need. Yay for the inklings and yay for sharing. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, we hope you have a great week and that you do many, many creative things. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening until the end. Seriously, you're a trooper. Do you think pretty writing life is the bomb? May, you just said the bomb. Don't you censor me. If you think Cordy Writing Life rocks ice for real, oh my word. please rate, review, and share us with others. If you have questions about this week's episode or want to start a conversation, you can reach us by visiting cordywritinglife.podbean.com. We'll be back next week with more candid chats for you. <laughs>